Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. The Around the NFL podcast hasn't missed the playoffs in over 10 years. Iron Man from the Chris Wessling podcast studio. It's Around the NFL. If, you, if I sound intense, if I sound especially focused, it's because it's the divisional playoffs recap app. Dan Hansis, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, let's go. So we talk about that this is a show about football, but with just a little bit of mirth. That's the touch. No mirth today. It's all football. This is serious. That's the way Greg likes it. Take the mirth part out. Take anything having to not do with football out of the show. Hardcore analysis. Dive into data. Analytics. (laughs) Should he have gone for it? Should he have punted? That's what I want to talk about for the next 44 minutes. We, we actually might 40. need a little like extra <laughs> mirth because there weren't quite as many crazy yeah. end of game situations as a normal divisional yeah. round. Just yeah. speaking as a spoiled little football baby here. As we, um, not a Nepo baby though. <laughs> as we hyped up heading into the, the weekend, this is traditionally the best weekend of football. And we saw there were exciting kind of outcomes uh, that came out of this, let's say, for instance, we're going to get to it in just a minute. Joe Burrow looking like a man p- possessed with one goal in mind that he will not be stopped. The Niners defense flexing on the, you know, after all the offensive flexing in recent weeks. Like we we have four big time Super Bowl worthy teams playing next weekend. But to Greg's point, Mark, maybe the game's at not at the level I, we expected suspense wise. I I. Don't always mean to come against like the your the two of you's opinion on things, but it's like I don't need these games to be the I don't need it to be the best week in football because what I like about it is the four best teams won absolutely, and there have been a couple AFC NFC title game scenarios that have been a little flaky over the years because someone surged mm. into the place where they didn't totally belong. I think these four teams completely belong. I thought Niners-Cowboys was an incredible, my kind of game. And I kind of like seeing a team like the Bengals just drop 
the hammer they did and basically announce who they are. I mean, so there's different ways to evaluate it as a quality or non-quality product. We didn't we didn't know that you really liked that last game because you didn't watch it with us. We were in the theater, just me and Greggy. Well, I'm sorry to miss it. I am absolutely excited about what's occurring. We MJD kept the seat open for you. Was there. I, I find that the Chris way to Rose. keep the show the freshest is to come in out of nowhere now. And speak yeah. with it's you. true because if when he's in the film room, so many Mark takes just flow. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I just that I, it's in more that I'm year. hearing everyone else's takes the entire time. So <laughs> I've not had to. I'm coming in completely fresh. All right. Well, that's another way to look at it. And now we're going to dig into all the games. And why don't we start with what I think was, even though it didn't end as like a barn burner, what felt like the most important game of the week, uh, the one that everyone had circled: Bengals Bills. From Orchard Park. Let's go. Shotgun snap. Short drop by Burrow. The pressure comes from the left. He throws oh, the ball. Big. Oh, it come on. Chase straight ahead nice. into the end zone. Nice. Touchdown on the opening drive for Cincinnati. A 28-yard throw. Chase reached up at the 8, caught it, and raced straight ahead into the end zone. So why would we pick the first real highlight of the game, the first touchdown? Because that kind of was the game. The Cincinnati Bengals went to Buffalo and made the Bills look like a middling outfit. A 27-10 win. Joe Burrow connected on three touchdown passes. And the Cincinnati defense, give it up for Captain Lou, who should be getting head coach interviews, but he's not. Uh, Absolutely made life hell for Josh Allen and company. And Greggy, it's Cincinnati. Back to the AFC title game. Uh, Mark, to your point at the top of the show, Last year, it was Cincinnati. They were the team that stormed the gates and showed up championship weekend and then won a game in championship weekend. Uh, this time, it's a different feel with Cincinnati. They feel like a powerhouse, Greggy, that is now cresting and becoming a, a league superpower. As that game wore on and it became obvious the Bills were not going to make that comeback, I just thought, like, what a long way we are from west of us. <laughs> the the early morning slot where our friend Chris Wesseling would root on his old team to lose because he just knew it was going to happen in a painful way to this team, which has now put together five playoff wins in the last two years that you have ultra confidence that they're not only going to rise to the level of the moment, but that their coaching staff will too. I mean, put me in a polo shirt for my analysis on Zach Taylor over the last couple of years. Because <laughs> it's a good coaching staff. I think this team won the game in the first quarter, to your point. 165 yards to eight. That touchdown to Chase was Burrow stepping up in the pocket. The next touchdown, all the attention goes to Chase in the red zone where they fake it to him. It's an easy pass to Hurst. They're just throwing every formation. It's motion. It's running out of pass sets and the reverse. It's just a clinic. And they're clearly uh, the class of these two teams. I think they would have beat them uh, a few weeks ago. We never got to find out. And they were set to prove it today. I I thought that too. I thought this was the game we didn't get to see because that started out very similarly because the Bengals are one of the best opening drive teams in the entire league. And I think that the coaching staff has grown because a year ago they had their O-line issues uh, and they couldn't adjust. And it was like Burrow saved them situation after situation. They have them all over again. You've got Jackson Carmen who turned 23 today, first start ever at left tackle. You've got Max Slurp- Sharping in there and Akeem Adeniji. And then Ted Karras is playing banged up the entire time. We went into this game thinking all week long, that's the Achilles heel. This might undo the Bengals entirely. Instead, coming out of this game, 
the Bills were pushed around entirely on both sides of the ball. The Bengals, I thought, finally on the ground. I mean, they've been efficient on the ground, but they were powerful on the ground as this thing went along. Their secondary, the Bills' secondary, because of all this, I thought, played one of their... They had injuries, but they played one of their worst games in a long time because you set up... You set up Burrow for the shots downfield. Jamar Chase was brilliant. And in the end, like, I know the Bills, they're at home. They were presumed all year long to truly be the best team in the AFC, if not once or twice, maybe taken over by Kansas City. They didn't show up. This is not a Bills story. It's a Bengals one. Uh, And Joe Burrow, I think, is at the center Mm -hmm. of everything, including uh, the line holding up so well. Uh, He plays a major role there. And, And Cincinnati... You know, I think, and we're going to get to the Bills and and what this loss means for them and where they are as an organization. But for Cincinnati, after coming some close, so close to winning the Super Bowl last year, now to get back now to the AFC title game and the level of confidence that this team plays with uh, wherever they are, whoever they're against, is a direct reflection of the guy behind center who is one of one and I think a generational mm. talent and a guy that I, I just don't picture losing. Uh, a game this year after the game uh, you want to talk about different motivations what teams use they weren't happy after the DeMar Hamlin uh, episode about how things worked out with the Ravens and the, the coin toss hokum and then not even being in the in the mix and the discussion about where you know how things shake out if there's an AFC title game like they're going to be in Kansas City it would have been a neutral site game if it was KC Buffalo like everyone presumed and I think they've used that as motivation. Here's Joe Burrow after the game talking to CBS uh, about that very topic. For everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys, how much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I mean, he's. Ju- I mean, the whole team feeds off that guy. Uh, he's pretty special. The accuracy was so good, and you're right that he makes that line look better. I think the snow helped. I think the snow absolutely not that, not that the Bengals wouldn't have won this game probably going away either way, but I just think it, it's harder to rush the passer. But then you look at the other side, and the Bengals had a better pass rush uh, than Buffalo did. Their offensive line in Buffalo was certainly worse in terms of their run blocking and their pass blocking, and it's Burrow's decision making and figuring it all out that's different between him and Josh Allen. You know, people. I want to go right into like, well, you got to put Joe Burrow at number two, and now Allen's at number three. Like, who cares? In this game, like, Burrow was clearly superior. And part of it is when the Bills are in that two-safety look and Poyer's back there, he's had a couple bad games, he was very willing and able to find the open receivers quickly. And when he saw one safety back there or he checked to the run play, like, all the decisions were just spot on. Like you're you're right, Dan. Not that not that you're the only one to think that Joe Burrow is is this special. Just but that's me. that's sort sort of what I get to when I think about the difference between now and Westvis. It's like they're the opposite of Westvis. They're clutch. Like they're a like team that you just expect is going to show up in the big moments. I mean, he opened nine for nine. He didn't really throw an off ball until I think it was a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, just to show up in this moment in a hostile environment with weather that can even everything, and to be what Joe Burrow was today. It's like. He is that guy. He's already arrived. 30, 30 first downs in this game. And they would have had four more points if they had given Jamar Chase that touchdown. Which Jamar Chase should have, is also that, well, that guy, that, by the way. That drove it's me two nuts. of those yeah. guys. That was a touchdown. Because how... What are we? How are we actually overturning that? That was late in the first half, so it should have been really with uh, Burrow having three touchdown passes in the first half. They didn't need the points anyway, and I don't want us to lose uh, the big picture as well because while the offense deserves credit, 
uh, and Burrow deserves credit. The defense held one of the top offenses in the league to season low, 10 points in their building. And Tony Romo, um, uh, you know, calling this game, uh, he was he was pointing out that this was really going to, the conditions, the slick field was really going to hurt uh, Buffalo's defense and their ability to to react and, and play the defense that they wanted to play, play the scheme they wanted to. But that goes both ways. It wasn't like that disappeared uh, when Buffalo had the ball. So Cincinnati had no problem shutting down Josh Allen and making the stops. And, and I thought that was notable too. Like this is the second year in a row. Um, even last year, if, if we want to say that now the coaching staff deserves credit, even last year, they found a way to make the most of what they had, and they nearly won the Super Bowl. This is a, this is a total team effort, coaching staff, and I don't just I don't see how this team going forward against the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that they've really outplayed. Well, they're underdogs, uh, barely. I don't, only I don't want to hear only, that. Yeah, like, that that's, that's this is when this stuff starts to not matter to me at all because it's just simply the Kansas Cincinnati, City reputation. And we're gonna get to well, it. Just one and a half points. So I know, if anything, that's, that's, that's saying that on a neutral field. Cincinnati the Bengals is one in outer space. Yeah, has th- won the three past meetings against Kansas City, including a game last month. This team is on fire. And and now it's turned to the Bills um, because I want to share something I saw and um, reported after the game. You saw Stefan Diggs in the fourth quarter kind of like shouting, and he's an emotional guy. We've seen this before, um, shouting at Josh Allen, who kind of was just keeping his eyes on his iPad. Um, excuse me, his Microsoft Surface tablet. Good job, company man. Good branding, yeah. correct. Thank you. Uh, on the bench and not even making eye contact. Like I've been here before. I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna shut shut him out. Right, shut him out right now. Um, it was reported after the game that Diggs was so upset he was spotted leaving the locker room with much of his uniform on shortly after the game ended, but had to be coaxed back into the locker room by a teammate. And that is pure but, frustration. But then left quickly after that, supposedly, right. anyways. That's that is pure frustration for when you reach where the Bills reached last year. They were perfectly set up as the team that's a team on the rise, a juggernaut on the rise that suffers a terrible loss where they play their hearts up and just barely get beat. And then the next step has to be the Super Bowl. And I think that weighed on this team throughout the season. And then you factor in the weird stuff with two games being affected by weather. Of course, of course, Hamlin and everything that went on there. And there's no other way to look at it. This season is a, a big disappointment for Buffalo. And you get why, the you know, Diggs was, and I'm sure many other players, the way they were after it was over. Yeah, I mean, and Josh Allen basically said, I don't care how anyone views it, it's a complete failure. Because that you when you become one of these teams, like, there's nothing to take away. You aren't the Jacksonville Jaguars dancing into the offseason with a bunch of ribbons around your neck because of what no, what no one thought you'd get here. The Bills have done less than we thought. And I, I find it kind of stunning the way they collapsed today, because it is uncharacteristic in many of the categories. I mean, if anyone said the score, I would have thought, well, finally, the Josh Allen turnovers probably caught them, caught up to them, cost them points and helped Cincinnati with some short fields. That wasn't the issue at all. He wasn't great. I mean, their big play offense downfield completely dried up. I think it's always easy to focus on Burrow, Jamar Chase, the offense, even the offensive line showing up when people thought they wouldn't. It's this Bengals defense Here's- week after week. They completely turned Buffalo into a nothing. Let's hear nothing operation. Nothing operation. I like that. Let's hear from Josh Allen. Our goal is to win a, a Super Bowl, a World Championship, and we didn't accomplish that. So everything that happened this season is kind of null and void in our minds, and mm. um, it sucks. 
It's yeah, the old Steinbrenner doctrine. Anything short of a championship is failure. And that's pretty crazy when it's the Bills we're talking about that have never won a Super Bowl. But that's kind of the position they're in. It's kind of a tough airspace to live in. I, I think that's a hard place to be. It, And it's why even at the time, that moment a year ago where all they have to do is have a 12 veteran defense led by Sean McDermott that he's built up for years get off the field in 13 seconds. Yeah. And I think they would have won the Super Bowl. We'll, ne- we'll never know because that team was peaking. And to me, this doesn't change anything about how I feel about the Bills long term. I think they have certain decisions to make. I never thought that they were some overwhelming favorite this year. I thought they were one of about five teams that could win. And Felt I felt like their time, though. Right. Didn't it? it like ha- well, entering be- the season. Because, be- because yeah. time runs out on this stuff. That's why. If right. not now, it's not just automatically we ticket you as the best team in football all over again. Sure. But they, as, as long as they have Josh Allen and this coaching staff in, in a good, solid base, I, I'm not worried about them being one of the contenders. Losing Von Miller was massive for them. Losing Micah Hyde was massive. Their defense was more disappointing, I think, today, uh, even than their offense. They could not get off off the field. Like, we talked about the offensive line thing. Three quarterback hits for them, whereas uh, the Bengals had eight. And um, scoring 10 with Allen is something McDermott complains about, even when they win, is that they just don't have a running game, and they definitely did not have a running game. And I just think they were outcoached. That's when I say when they have such a great coaching staff – both offense and defense for Cincinnati like changed up what they were doing like every drive, whether it was the disguise looks, whether it's blitzing and then not blitzing. It's just they like, kept mixing it up, and the Bills never felt comfortable. Yeah, the Von Miller absence, talked about it on Thursday, how that could really hurt them potentially. And the, the numbers, they dropped a data point during the telecast that they were, I think, top five in pass rush when he went out on Thanksgiving against the Lions, and they dipped to 27th after he had left. In this game, they were dying for someone make a play, someone get to Burrow, and, and they just couldn't do it. And again, that's a credit also to that offensive line of Cincinnati, which put together an effort that nobody expected. Absolutely, and they were dominant you know, in in blasting open holes in the run game. But Buffalo, I thought early on, looked kind of desperate to get that rush on Burrow. And that open, wide open Jamar Chase touchdown to go up 7 nothing was against the Blitz. And Burrow's deadly against the Blitz. And it's like, I keep mm. going back to what the Bills could have been in that opening game that we went to against the Rams. And maybe it's because we were there in person. But all of that happened without blitzing. It was natural, organic pass rush. And in this case, when you have to go do that against Burrow, he made them pay right away. I thought he set the tone. And you've got a Bills team that has played in these elements. I don't want to hear about this defense not knowing how to react in snow. It's like you practice in this. You live in this. You walk down, your, home dri- stadium. You walk down your driveway in this every day. I'm, I, so do the Bengals, though, too. They live in this weather, too. There's, it's not like a, a team it from was, Florida it, came up and did it. But To me, it was almost the run game it, defense that was that was even worse. And I, and I do I think that's where agree. McDermott will have to – I don't know. He's not going to change who he is, but their defense has been a problem in the playoffs three straight years. I mean, that is the reason that they got the doors blown off them in the AFC Championship game two years ago. It's what totally collapsed last year. And if why they paid Von Miller to right, address that. If, right? and, if, and if they've been great in regular seasons. And if Allen had played a great game today and their offense had showed up, I think it would have been a good game. I, I still wouldn't have much faith that they would have won. Like, even if Allen played I think well. the thing is, like, last year we came out in the defense, they were culpable for what happened. Mm-hmm. And yet it was like, oh, we've got to change the overtime. Everyone's freaking out, <laughs> understandably, about the overtime rule. And we didn't get to see Josh Allen go do it again. This time it's like, I can point to eight things that are just simply on the Bills 
not showing up in this game. Yep. And uh, behind the glass, our friend Parker is a big Bills fan. And, you know, Mark, how Greg always knows the right thing to say to people. Um, Undoubtedly. And, and he made the comment that, you know, you you never know. You might not be back for 10 years <laughs> in the playoffs. And although Greg, well, you know, no, as it, usual, Greg could have used the softer touch. Um, <laughs> the truth is the 13 seconds last year, um, is it a perfect example? Because then you see what happened this year. There are no promises uh, how long your window stays open. And you hope, if you're a Bills fan, that this will continue. But, man, it doesn't. There's only a few years you get here. Right. With Why, these cores. Me I, and I all my friends I, are jerks. Look at I, history. Look at football history. I, okay. I think, again, like you, you like whether or not you think you can separate it, your experience is the Patriots' experience. No, I get it. I, I'm the one who always says this, and I agree with you. And I, I did just say it, that you might not be back. But I do look at Josh Allen in a similar way to Burrow and uh, Mahomes. I don't think he's at that level consistency-wise, but maybe a little closer to a John Elway in that the window is open while Josh Allen is there. And I believe in the way they've built this team up and, and the coaching staff and everything. So they might have their ups and downs, but if you tell me like they finally True. get there in six but, years, like that's all a window. You're right. That's all. It's evergreen because of Allen, but then what were we saying 10 years ago about Aaron Rodgers. Asked all, yeah, asked sure, but the window about has been open that it's whole time. Open, doesn't, mean just, you, doesn't mean you get there. They think, need to pick better. They I haven't think the drafted is, that well lately. Their innocence is lost now. They, they yes. went from plucky Buffalo team yep. to powerful Buffalo team, and we're still thinking, wow, this is young and new, and they can maybe win two or three of these. Now it's like... That's what Cincinnati is yeah, now. Suddenly you got usurped by Cincinnati, and which Greg, is unlike, we're not, not nice. We're not young men anymore. Mark's even older than us. Well, I don't feel older than you. You, you blink... And he'll be 35 years old. I'm just saying, you you know, the career you think it's forever. Right. But if, if this if this uh, phase of Bills doesn't work, they have to retool. It starts to build the pressure. It just you, you hope they get there because the fan base deserves it. But this series, this uh, season is a disappointment, no doubt about it. Joe Burrow said of the game, domination from start to finish. That's what we expected. Job's not finished. But let's give who locked this up. West Bros. Ah, that's a nice lock. That is a that's great a nice, lock. And it's a lock from the heart. Um, Good job by Nick making the executive decision because he sent us the text been doing of, it all of year. The, the Cincinnati yeah. Zoo. And yeah, they were all over the place. It, amazingly, even one of the Wesleyan brothers picked the Bills as a lock. That's why it's so, the zoo. Yeah, this is <laughs> totally not, out of control. It's not amazing or surprising. It's, it's an animal <laughs> asylum. Um, let's give the last word to Zach Taylor, the head coach, uh, who... Might be going to back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, he turned up the snark here and apologized for being a logistical pain in the ass to the NFL. For the neutral side, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we just we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City, and, and uh, it, 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 I, it is it is tough because they they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses, and they got to formulate the plans for neutral side games, and we just keep screwing it up for everybody. And I hate that for, for people that have to endure all those logistical issues, and then uh, we just keep screwing it up. So I'm sorry. Oh, Weisenheimer, Weisenheimer. Let's take a break, and we'll. Uh... We'll talk about the team that they'll be playing in the AFC title game. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Welcome back. I do not like high ankle sprains. Never no. had one myself. Yeah. But I find them to be deeply annoying from a football fan experience. And and it did. It popped up in two games this weekend with two key players. Greggy, maybe the most important figure in the NFL, the presumptive MVP, had to play through a high ankle sprain. But he would not be denied. A little bit of a Chris Berman set up there. To the highlight. Mahomes, again, that right ankle is the one that's bothering him. That's in front of the left. Feet staggered. Mahomes now steps up in the pocket, throws late, wide open, back of the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a six-yard touchdown. But Mahomes paid the price, stayed in the pocket, and a jump throw on that bad right ankle. Patrick Mahomes on one good leg got it done. Mitch Holtis uh, with the call WDAF. Mahomes, after suffering that high ankle sprain, threw for 195 yards and two touchdowns. He finished with the second, capping a 75-yard drive late in the fourth quarter. It allowed the Chiefs to get past the Jaguars, a 27-20 win. My goodness, the Chiefs are in the AFC title game for the fifth straight year. And uh, Mark Sessler... Obviously, Mahomes' health is a major question mark going forward. We expect him to play, uh, but what level Patrick Mahomes will we get next week? That remains to be seen. I mean, if you want to take him at his word, he basically vowed that he'd play. I mean, I I thought one thing that I do love about Mahomes is that his passion is not false. I think we feel that way with some athletes where it's like, you're doing a lot for the camera and stuff. With Mahomes, like, 
literally jawing with Andy Reid on the sideline, like, I want to go back in that thing. And Andy Reid's like, you got to go back and get, if it's negative, you're back in. And so that was where that Chad Henney period came in. And Chad Henney, this is what he does every couple of years, rolls into the divisional round, does enough good stuff to keep it keep employed. And he did it to the Browns, he did it to the Jaguars. And Mahomes came back in. I just think it's like one of these things where, uh, you know, there aren't that many guys like Mahomes on any level. We keep trying to find new ways to describe him. Here's a new one. He did it completely differently in this game. And I just look at this Chiefs offense, which is so different in many ways than the past versions we've seen. And you guys got guys like Isaiah Pacheco and Kadarius Toney making a bigger impact. They haven't even peaked yet. Like their their offense and who they are is still like on a weekly basis, adding new people to the mix. Like they, it was Travis Kelsey, and I think it was you could be a little concerned that like you didn't have a wide receiver really step up for big yardage in this, but they just got it done. It's like I think this these two teams were fairly slotted for where they wound up. Nice effort by the Jaguars, but the Chiefs just they've been doing this all year. They're not going to blow your doors off psychologically if you're a viewer. They're going to get it done. Right. I mean. The- the Chiefs are the number one offense in the league for the season by a decent amount based on basically any metric for a reason. And they started that game this way. They went to halftime, and yeah, Chad Henney played an entire uh, series there. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And you have a quarterback in Mahomes who I think in this game showed how much he's matured since 2018 when, by the way, he was the best quarterback in the league then too because I don't know if he wins this game the same sort of way because that first drive and a half, he made more plays just completely on his own than I I think any quarterback in the league could. I was listening to it initially on the radio. It was a little late coming home from the zoo. Zoo always takes a little longer than you think. Not the Cincinnati Zoo. Not the Cincinnati Zoo. The L.A. Zoo. Very underrated. Nice nice family morning. Yeah, on the, on the day of the divisional playoffs, I wouldn't take well, that we, risk. I know. I, I good, blew good it. Play, though. Good I mean, you, for can, the catch up. you yeah. can catch up on, on Game Pass. And so I was listening on the first quarter, listening to Trent Green, and it's like, you know. The hits keep coming. Didn't really make it sound like it was that crazy. And when I went back to watch the first quarter, I'm like, every one of these Mahomes plays is insane. It was only because it was Patrick Mahomes they scored those 10 points. And then after that, it's the decision making and it's the maturity and getting rid of the ball out quickly. The fact to me that he could win the game in both kind of ways just speaks to his greatness and why I definitely am not. Uh, counting them out this weekend, like like it sounds like you're doing. Uh, I mean, Dan counting right out bat. is a strong thing to do with any team in the title game, and, and if Mahomes is involved, even at seventy percent or whatever, I still give him a chance. Um, do I like Cincinnati? Yes, I do like them to get to the Super Bowl. But yeah, I thought you know the the Mahomes side of it. Um, I. Did we mention Henny? He was the quarterback against the Browns a couple of years ago that yeah, made sure. the big play. Yeah, so he shows up every divisional round every couple of years. And so it's great to have a guy that you can count on, especially this time of year if, if you need it. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that for me this game was like a reminder that they're not just Patrick Mahomes. You know, that this defense, which, you know, was facing a Jaguars team that was playing with house money, that went in there knowing nobody was going to pick them to win, and uh, they had scored on five straight possessions in their previous game uh, to to have over a historic comeback, and they just shut they shut down Trevor Lawrence and, and that offense for the most part. And I think there's a lot of credit that needs to be handed out to Chris Jones and that whole team as well on that side of the ball. I mean, I if I the Jaguars side of it, like if you there was a moment when Henny was in there and he threw that near interception to Foye Luokan, had he had that been picked off. That would have changed this game. But that interception is dropped later in the game. Jamal Agnew, who was sensational as a kick returner and has been for a while and put them in position to make a difference, had that killer fumble. 
that at the at the D at the Chiefs five or whatever, which basically changes that entire right. they, possession they, they for could Jacksonville. Have made it three with about eight minutes to right. go. Right, and then you get the Lawrence. The next possession, you get the Trevor Lawrence interception, it, which just shows you like. This is sometimes the Chiefs this year because it's like, had those things gone differently, uh, just a couple inches here and there, Jacksonville's in this thing at the very end, and then they're a freaky operation. This was a winnable game. I think it, you know, Jaguars are getting that um, bump from losing a playoff game like this. They went further than you could ever expect. They were 3-7. and seven. I, I get it, but this is game in particular is frustrating because it was winnable. That Chad Henney drive... It showed great confidence in Andy Reid to throw the ball out in first down out of his own end zone. You know, the, the pass w- was for a touchdown. He ultimately threw for three yards per attempt. The key person in that drive was Pacheco, picking up eight-yard gains on first down. He had the 39-yard run, and these are like power runs. To, so to your point, uh, Dan, the pass rush was better than the Jaguars' pass rush, where they've spent a lot of money, the Chiefs mm. was. The running game, uh, both teams ran the ball well, but certainly the Chiefs' ability to run the ball kept them alive in that game, in, in that drive. Like, it was an entire team, and, and I think that that says to me that this, this can be a championship team, and, and it's got to just be bittersweet right now for the Chiefs that, that it, at best... Holmes is gonna Mahomes is gonna be like eighty five percent. Can you, like, can that's you what win hoping. next week? Because I thought it was impressive that you have Mahomes who can't move and he's just gotta get the ball out quick for a big chunk of that game. That that if you're even if you're Jacksonville, good defense, they've evolved over the course of the year, but you're catching up to that in real time and what Kansas City is gonna do. I like Cincinnati's chances. If you're gonna get immobilized Mahomes, I just assume he's gonna magically be like ninety five percent better because that seems to be what happens with Mahomes. I, I thought again, Romo when they're just at this point killing time at the end of the Bengals game, uh, talking about what's going on with Mahomes, and you know he said that he had suffered high ankle sprains before, and it's something that you could play through the day it happens. But then he was like, the next day, like today, Mahomes probably can't even walk. He's yeah. probably on crutches, and you know I missed my next game after a high ankle sprain. Mahomes obviously is a different person. We then heard Wait. like later reporting that like Mahomes feels better and the Chiefs said he feels better than they expected. Wait, sure. what happened so we'll with see. you and your high ankle sprain? This will be notable, I think, to the... Who? What, like, what happened with your body when you had a high ankle sprain? I, I would like to know. I said at the top of this seg, I never suffered one. I've never oh, had I did one. Oh, I thought you said you, I thought you had suffered I one. I had not, no. Oh, and that you skipped a week or something. No, okay. I, I said Tony Romo. The oh. CBS announcer. Well, I, I was starting to think you were talking about yourself. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, but <laughs> bye R- bye. R- Romo basically said that, yeah, this is going to be an, a major issue, that he's going to be immobile if he plays. He will play. But I think that's the, obviously such a major subplot now moving forward. His, let's hear from Mahomes what he had to say um, after the game about his physical status. It feels better. I mean, it feels better than I thought it was going to be now. Um Obviously, I have a lot of adrenaline going right now, so we'll see how it feels. But uh, I'll hop right into treatment today, tonight and uh, try to do it's whatever I funny. can to be uh, as close to 100% uh, by next week. But luckily for us, we played the early game on Saturday, so we get an extra almost half a day that I can let that ankle rest. He's, he's, he's just like an excited kid. I like yeah. that about him, yeah. He's funny. He's like Trevor Lawrence on the other side. Um, basically, looks at a central casting, like either like a villain in an 80s movie or like what you imagine, like a quarterback, a star quarterback or – should yeah. look like Mahomes looks different. Speaking of, um, and sounds different. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, here's what he had to say uh, after the first playoff loss of his NFL career. We worked so hard to get here, and nobody thought we we were going to be here. And you know, we had our shot, and that's what hurts. You know, so 
we'll be back. I'm, I'm confident in that. And this isn't this is this is more the beginning than it is the end of something. Um, this is just getting started for us. So we got a taste of it and. I mean, the guys are already hungry to get this opportunity again. He's like, I don't know. If they Hold did on. a Varsity Blues reboot, he's right. Mox. Like, he is. But I think this is so <laughs> Mark like, Mark was just dying. No, I mean, I, first of all, like, I the Jaguars are one of the better stories of the year. We got eight. We have like eight or nine Coach of the Year candidates, but Peterson's got to suddenly yeah, become right. Off, Angelo. I mean, is here's the thing. Are they pissed off about this loss? Like, I think it's such a polar spectrum opposite, and it's rightfully so. Well, can I say something Buffalo. we mentioned a couple of years ago at the Browns and that feeling like a missed opportunity because you had Henny in the game and Mahomes out and they couldn't find a way that that day at Arrowhead? The Jags are thinking the same thing. Like, right. we had this guy out of the game for the second quarter, basically, and then he was half of his usual self for the rest of the game, and we couldn't steal these again. Again, the Jags, another team. Like, uh, it feels like just the beginning for them. That's it what Lawrence just said. But at the same time, you never know when your opportunity to make that deep run to be the Bengals of last year is, and they didn't get it done in this spot. No, and the, but the Browns had Baker Mayfield, and the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence, and even Trevor Lawrence has to be more excited about the Jaguars because they have Trevor Lawrence. Right. They, um, they, they couldn't get any shot plays throughout the game, you know, until late in the game. Lawrence was averaging like under four yards per attempt. I thought they got away from the run like way too quickly, which is not something you would have expected out of Peterson. They averaged 7.6 yards per carry in that game. Like both teams for most of this game were averaging more yards on the ground per play than they were uh, throwing the ball. Even the Chiefs were uh, through like three quarters of this game. And Lawrence was like making like two quick decisions and the, the pass rush was winning for the Chiefs. And it did feel not like a teacher pupil thing, uh, but it, it felt like the Chiefs were very zeroed in on where the Jaguars were bad, which was on the second level of their defense. Like they, they drafted Devin Lloyd and they, they benched him halfway the, through the season for for Chad Muma. And those two guys' heads were spinning and they just were getting destroyed by Travis Kelsey. 14 catches. 98 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, just outrageous. Caught every single pass to him that was like within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. 13 for 13. It's one of the weird things that actually like meet out from the Thursday show where the Jaguars are the worst team in the league against tight ends. And then Travis Kelsey goes completely nuclear on them. Um, What about that Travis Kelsey versus Gronk conversation? Stacking up these games in the playoffs too. I find find it very annoying. I know. So I brought it up. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. a real conversation, I, mean, I think. <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Just because well, we, I do. They were in the league. <laughs> they were in the league at the same time, and it's like one was, you know, clearly the best tight end in the league, while the other one was pretty much at the peak of his powers. Yeah, yet, but you use the same argument to yeah. say that Brady's the best quarterback ever. I actually, that's where I wouldn't. I. It depends how you define it. He's accomplished the most, but to me, Mahomes is already the best quarterback ever. Well, that's your opinion. Just in terms of like playing the position at the at the highest. I guess level I know possible. who you're picking next week. Then I'm probably picking the Bengals. I don't know. Oh. I mean, just because we're injury. all over the map here. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, uh, any I'm other thoughts that, like, on this game? No. No. Let's, uh, let's. Yeah, I think on. I think this went. Oh yeah, how Harrison we Bucker, your boy. Yeah. What a massive game! Wasn't even in the top ten of the kicker power rankings. Well, not he a good year for him. Had a rough year, but great like, name. 
I think he was one of the key reasons they won this game. Didn't miss a kick. Two field goals, two uh, tackles. I mean, two uh, extra points. But then the tackle on Agnew yes. was a massive well, moment in this game. he didn't really tackle Got him. it done. Got it he done. He missed the tackle, and then Agnew accidentally, his heel kicked under his face mask, and he got tripped by a face hey, mask. It all but works. But he was in the way. Doesn't it help? It all it all counts in the box score. If you're, if you're Harrison Butker and you've been having – some struggles to have another kicker come into the world and have incredible struggles. Mm. We'll get to him later. Then, yeah. like Bucker's, like no one even remembers that I was having issues. You know it's what true. I liked? Uh, if if we're still in this game, is the, is the Lawrence <laughs> moment in the in the alley on the way into the locker room where he get he like camps there and is high fiving everyone as they come by, and mm-hmm. it's just like that's a dude. That's that, a dude. That's who you want. That's a dude. I like They're that. gonna be okay. The it wasn't for the cameras. Like he didn't know anyone was watching him there, and like everyone, you could see what it meant to them as they were going by. Then so like take two. Let's get that one from another <laughs> angle, please. Take two. Bigger smile. Bigger smile. Make sure this kid get this kid over here. All right. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I don't that's recall why, either. But. See, exactly. You guys don't know what it's talking Because that's how I know it was in stage. It was one local reporter. Because we didn't see it. Caught it on her phone, and oh. that was the only thing. It was he kind of camped out. Um, I'm think I can't think of the word as they're coming off the field to greet every single player. By and that stage, I was at the zoo. There it is, Bengals Chiefs at Arrowhead. It's great. That's one side. On the NFC side of things, we're going to start with the number one seeded Eagles, who obviously, by virtue of the dominant regular season record, had the top seed. However. There were a lot of questions about what Eagles team would show up out of the bye against the upstart Giants. Ooh, this one got ugly fast. Hurts in the gun. Hurts screens it out on the far side to Devontae Smith. Across the five, into the end zone. Touchdown, Devontae Smith. Such a great job job blocking by A.J. Brown. This dynamic duo, they're as good as it gets. Ooh-wee. It was so easy. For the Eagles on Saturday night, that was Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, WIP. Jalen Hurts threw two touchdown passes, ran for another, looking very healthy in the shoulder region as he did it. And the Eagles just stroll past the Giants, 38-7 at the link. They built up a 28-0 halftime lead in the game. Uh, there have only been four more lopsided first-half playout shutouts in NFL history. So that's where we're at. On this game, Mark Sessler, uh, the Eagles answered a lot of questions here. They absolutely did. Like, it was a total purifying experience where it's like, let's just reset the board and remember that the Philadelphia Eagles have been doing this to teams all year long in so many different ways. And the dominant fashion that they did it in, to me, yeah, I can point to the offense that right away the 40-yard bomb from Hertz to Devonta Smith showed you the arm is fine. He was to making those throws even when he had the shoulder injury to begin with. But he also ran with power. He ran into people when he needed to. Their ground game, it's the most yardage they piled up in a playoff game since the 1949 NFL championship game featured the Eagles. And it looked that way. And I thought the difference was also this Eagles defense. I mean, they're just like, again, where is the weakness here if everyone's healthy? they I think the Giants were the kind of team that needed to show up early or they could be broken in this, and they really were broken by halftime. It was kind of one of those playoff games that, like, by about two minutes into the second quarter, I'm tracking it maybe with less strident note-taking and just sort of (laughs) let's see where we are later in this game. But the Giants on their first drive, turnover on downs, when everything that's gone right for the Giants, the Brian Dable risk-taking, which is kind of part of the DNA of who they've been. It goes back to that week one win over the Titans. It's happened week after week. 
uh, is a complete disaster as Daniel Jones has taken down on back-to-back sacks. They were outclassed. At, totally outclassed. Then the interception on the next drive, suddenly it's 21 nothing, and it's like, no, there's no way for this Giants team to climb back in. Saquon Barkley's gone invisible. Daniel Jones has regressed to like pre-Brian Dable levels, and there's no one here to rescue right, them. Right. Well, no, in one game, I don't mean – he looked like the old Daniel Jones for big chunks of last night, which is – that's what annoyed me because I liked what Daniel Jones has done this season. Yeah, he – that sequence, there was so little uh, tension in this game that that sequence was memorable when they're on defense in the Giants' first drive, and, and it was second and five, and Barkley gets to the outside, and Hassan Reddick, who's like an edge player, gets him down to make it third and three, and then a sack by Sweat and Reddick, and then another sack by Reddick. Like, their defensive line is outrageous. Reddick had just an incredible season, one of the best free agent pickups in mm-hmm. a long time, especially for the money. Like, he didn't even get paid that much. It's kind of crazy he uh, was out there. And on offense, the Eagles do something against the Giants every time that I love, which which I, which I Greg Olson talks about, too. You throw to win early, and then you run to end the game. The, the throwing sets up the running, and they've done that every time they've played against the Giants, and none of them have been competitive. And there were concerns, obviously, entering this game about Jalen Hurts. Would he be able to throw? Would he be able to play aggressively? And he answered a lot of those questions. Here was Nick Sirianni. We're going to get to Sirianni in a second, because what a Saturday night Sirianni oh, has. Absolutely. I, like, I've, I've bumped into dudes like Sirianni at DJ's in Belmar uh, at the clubs down in the early 2000s. Like he was a pumped up boy. Uh, but let's start with Sirianni on his quarterback. I know this is high praise, but to have him out there is like having, uh, nah, I shouldn't even go there, but like he's having like Michael Jordan out there. Like he's your leader. He's your leader. He's your guy. He's your, like, uh, there it is. Like, again. That's, hopefully that's the biggest Ding. respect I can pay to him uh, compared, comparing to his ability to being on the field uh, to, a, to a Michael Jordan type. Like this guy leads, he brings this calmness to the to the entire team he plays great football um he's tough as 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 they come um yeah i mean to me there ain't nobody has played any better football than him this year i'm gonna channel uh west for a second here completely different than basketball apparently not according to nick sirianni um the moratorium on the mj (laughs) comparisons um because unless you're talking about like the mj who was a fierce competitor from like 84 to 90, but wasn't getting over the hump. But what made Jordan Jordan was when he won six titles and six tries. Uh, I mean, but Wes compared Odell Beckham to Michael Jordan, so he's he did it too. I think a lot he of probably people wouldn't have, done have this. wanted to re- you to remind the people of that. <laughs> but you know, that's where the, that's like my where my MJ is, stuff it's, came it's from. It's a stand-in for just saying that this is the guy that everybody pounds a table for. But I don't. I also don't think like he is like a standout amongst the rest of this team. I think this is the most loaded roster in the game, Greggy. I, I hear you, but I think what he was telling you, and, and the teammates of Jalen Hurts tell you it too, and they said this after this game, that Hurts had some quote to all of them, just how he was starving for it, that he's just starving for this title. And I think he is, uh, amongst other things, an incredible leader. And that was what uh, the people... Uh, analyzing him coming out in the draft struggled with that just like this guy is like sort of talked about like he's this Tim Tebow like leader except he actually has these athletic gifts and if he can learn uh, how to do a drop back passing game and throw deep and we've we've seen it like he could just be next level but you're right that he's set up by a great offensive line. I mean, this this was I almost feel like this game was too easy for Philadelphia, but it's why you go. It's why the regular season matters. 
you get the one right. seed, you play a team that you're just so much better than, than, than you know, and that you know all their tendencies, and like they set up in these heavy run formations, and then they pass it, and then they set up in these spread passing formations, and then they run it, and it's like they're mixing up what they do on, on defense really well, too. There was that play on offense, remember, when they all lined up like they were going to do the double cheek push, and the Giants mm-hmm. were all ready for it, and then they just flip it to the outside. It's just like they've got these great players, and you're right, Hertz is put in a position where like he, he just has to do his thing. Well, I think it is like we're going to get a new coach who's going to completely flub his first press conference, and we're gonna it's going to be, you know, February, March, we're going to rip on this guy and have our time with him. But Nick Sirianni was a disaster PR-wise out of the gate. But I think they're such a well-coached team. They completely neutralized New York's pass rush, which was their selling point going into this thing too, with if there's any chance to stop the Eagles. 17 pass run snaps generated zero QB pressure in the first half, led to that dominance. Hurts in his three quickest times to throw games in his entire career have come against this year's Giants in three games. And the thing is that what they did to New York in week 14 before the Eagles were sitting people late and the Giants were sitting people, it's like the, they blew their doors off in similar fashion to this. It looked very similar. They did a lot of the same stuff. New York knew that. And Brian Dable's a good coach. And Wink Martindale's been a good coach. And they couldn't counter it. It reminded me of like Patriots-Texans divisional round like in yeah. some of the Texans' lower years where it was like a right. light warm-up for the real game. And I think that's what's the most disappointing thing for Giants fans because the idea was that coming off that dramatic win in Minnesota and how well they were playing that they were going to ride that wave. And then the wave just crashed on them within five minutes of the game starting. Here's what Brian Dable told, uh, said that he told his team after – the blowout loss. Told them to keep their heads up. They competed hard. Um, it's a crash landing in the playoffs. Anytime you lose, it hurts because of the amount of effort and energy you put into it each week. And when you lose this time of year, um, it, it hurts even more. There was a lot of talk after the game. I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on my New York buddies with texts and everything. You know. They were, they were confident going into this oh, game. Oh, very too. confident. But ugly loss, somewhat embarrassing loss, but you know, the future is really bright for the Giants. Maybe. I I will I'll say this. Absolutely a great first year for Dable. Um, but you know, they got in the playoffs. They beat the Vikings, who were frauds, we know, and the the Colts to to clinch the playoff spot. And this kind of was a reminder how far away they still are. And these are things that they they'll need to think about spinning forward with Daniel Jones, who certainly did not look like a impact player in this partic- particular setting. Saquon Barkley, a running back, getting closer to age thirty. What kind of contract do you give him? How else do you? build up this team. This isn't like go get Von Miller and we're ready to roll. The Giants still have a lot of work to do, even if you could see the season as a, a success. I mean, if, if anything, they went into this year with, I think their, their front office with Joe Shane is like, they're not like rose colored glasses. It, like they didn't even, they didn't even give the fifth year option to Jones. Saquon Barkley was a wait and see. And I, I do think games like this can change your off season planning. I'm, I don't think it changes what they think about Daniel Jones, but any contract going his way can't get in the way of continuing to look for like the Eagles did that next quarterback. They did like they had Carson Wentz and they looked at Hertz and then suddenly look where we are. You're not still struggling trying to put the wrong guy in there. So Jones, I think great career season. You bring him back at the right price if that works, but like there's but no pressure. Are you to ma- insinuating that they 
should or might draft a quarterback high because I feel like that would be weird to give him a new deal. I'm not saying I'm, and then I, do I, that. I just like it's the problem with these quarterback deals is they all kind of look too much alike. Where like even the middle tier is a ton of money, but like if you do it where there's no guaranteed money, right? Very soon is actually a great pull because like if you if you listen to WIP on that day, like people hated that pick. Of course, they're like, why would we take a quarterback when we have a quarterback? I think Jones and I would throw Geno into this category are the type of like. Middle quarterbacks, and I think Geno's above that on some level, but you're still going to be looking for younger guys. And and Daniel Jones was, you know, very circumspect. Didn't really say anything, you know, when they talked about his future. Saquon was very big on, like, I can't imagine playing anywhere else. But it reminds me a lot of the Tyrod Bill season. So I don't know if Daniel Jones will be, like, they'll change quarterbacks like it. But I thought, like, McDermott and, um, you know, their front office – showed who they were like leading up to that Tyrod season. Like we're a different Bills team and they actually took a step back like the next year after that. But it like showed who they were and they were a little ahead of schedule. And I think to your point, that's what Joe Shane and, and Dable did. It's, it's a long-term thing, but they have 12 starters out of their 20... Uh, two starters are set to hit for agency. Maybe throwing a, a little bit of cold water on yeah. the, the Daniel Jones um, uprising in the last few weeks works out well for them in terms I think of so too. decisions they make and money they end up spending. We shall see. Um, we had some locks involved in this game, correct? Oh, yeah, we did. I locked it up. This is one of those locks you, you enjoy. You don't have to. Easy one. Rocking chair game. Just the, You don't yeah. have to sweat it out. Oh, and to let our listeners know. I locked know, it up, too. Yeah, that's right. That's great. And Dan did not, which most of our listeners probably don't know now because I've got – the, the only annoying part about you switching right. your tweets is like Drew, our, our producer, thought uh, I won the lock championship. He didn't know you switched. People don't and, follow these things? Well, how would they? Unless they're people like on top. following every tweet I send in the middle of like a, I saw a some, Saturday. I, I saw some people um, responding to what oh, yeah. you had done. Certainly your, tw- your Twitter follows, but that's yeah. a relatively. I'm joking. Uh, yeah. I'm joking. I'm, I'm sorry, Drew. I All got, nine feet tall of you. I should have mentioned that I had switched my lock. But I got a lot of tweets that were like, "Congrats on your lock championship." <laughs> um, but no. well, I reverse. Yeah, like I stuck with my Giants pick, um, which I had no. I thought it was kind of fun, and uh, it, you know, as as the season goes along, you say goodbye to teams, you say goodbye to news developments, you say goodbye to things that seemed they'll never go away, and I'm saying goodbye to my lock standing mm. scenario here. We said goodbye to the West Bros yeah. officially too on that. Can I can I talk to you something? Can I talk to you about something? <laughs> Go ahead. My longtime friend. You know that I would never betray you. Your family or our alliance. And it brings me great sorrow to know that you may feel that I deserted you in this time of need. But you must understand my intentions were driven purely by survival. I couldn't remain in our New York family alliance. After coming to the realization that our enemy had set a trap in Philadelphia with the intention to lure us both to an early demise. I will forge on in your honor, my friend. <laughs> That's a huge victory for me. I, I guess um, I appreciate the sentiments. Um, <laughs> that, I did is, see... Is that what Lovey Smith said to his team when he played for a tie right. in week one? I did see... I did, there was a lot of chatter on... <laughs> on Twitter about it um, in my mentions just because of I think you tagged us on some of this or like but uh, there was a, one of the like there was an image of like Mario Brothers Mario <laughs> like jumping safely to a cliff and he was holding on to one like another character and just right. like let it go and he just disappears into a shaft the other character's eyes well up before he's <laughs> dropped into a deathly Hades and that's what happened to I, me over the I, weekend I definitely there 
I had regrets about that, but I also I was thinking about is it. It like first of all, you I, gave me warning though. I could have done the same. Warning. It would have felt un- unoriginal. I got but... the trophy still in my house. Right. Yes. I'm two two back. Right. I don't need to be in a total place of desperation when Greggy's trying to trick us into picking the G men. Right. And ending the whole thing. What do you so say? I thought to myself, you're giving me way too much let, credit let me, here. Uh, I, I thought to the myself team that I like the most. I said, okay, he took the Eagles. That's the right play. Two games up. But I don't I'm not going to pick a team I don't believe in. I didn't believe in the Giants. So I went elsewhere. And as a result, I am still alive with two weeks to play. Yeah, I I don't hate on that at all. I mean, I think it's good to try to get your locks right and not take bad teams. So that makes uh, total sense. It's just bad. It's bad showmanship. To, uh, to confuse the listeners, but I think it's the right the right pick. <laughs> well, even, even sometimes if it's, it's good to keep them off balance. Yeah, it, it's, you know? uh, it, playing for the tie, you never want to do that, but it's better than losing. A lot of listeners don't understand that lock of the week is like the game you're most confident in. They're like, mm. how is it a lock if you change it? It's not well, like that's you're only bubbled up this season. I could, I don't think yeah. anyone could care less about that. I mean, we could revisit that down the line if it's something we want to say that they have to be binding on the day of the show, but. Um, I knew in my heart that I had to move, and uh, yes, I can only tie Greg now, but again, the trophy's in my house, and I didn't want to go out on the Giants. I didn't want to fall on that sword. I don't blame you. Can I give you one quick media update? Because you know it was my, like we talked about the fact that I went on the little NFL.com picks. Oh, yeah. um, And I stress little, and... uh, (laughs) I, I was right because you picked the Giants. I picked the Giants, and you know if that goes right, suddenly like to the, to the tri-state area is just like you know oh, carrying you around town. Right now, I'm getting like a billion of those when this happens. Oh. It's towards the old takes exposed. It's like, do I need this? It's just like I just simply log off Twitter. I'll come back in like mid-April. Here's the thing, maybe, though: these, these social accounts have no accountability either. They actually <laughs> sent out a. a an article from Bills.com showing all the expert predictions. And by the way, most of them were picking the Bills. But they took one of my quotes saying where the Bills are poor and sent that out on their main feed. And then I, I clicked it. the link. And by the way, like 12 out of 16 people in that link picked the Bills. I was not one of them. Are they going to come back uh, and apologize and point? Hey, you're right, actually. No, Our won't. shortcomings on the offensive line and no, actually, uh, I think they wide, wide receivers. Greg, I think uh, you, you were right. I think you, you can expect right. that. I think you can expect them to do that. I uh, see you, Bills. Yeah. Before we before we go on to the last game, can we talk about Sirianni in that game? He was extra and I'm not, I'm not going to kill him for it uh, maybe when he looked into the camera in slow motion and shook his head like yeah I'm the mother effing man that one was a little extra um, but uh, the whole game he was yeah. super amped up and excited I think it's because he saw his game plan being you know unfurled and and just perfection uh, but let's play that that when they were up, I think that was when they were up by five touchdowns or something <laughs> four touchdowns and they line up for two and uh, is that what we have here yeah, he li- they line up for two, uh, and then he calls timeout, and this is uh, what we saw and heard. I know what the f- I'm doing, and I'm allowed to be down here. <laughs> I'm allowed to be down here. <laughs> and then he had he also had uh, this to say, uh, name-checking an old friend of ours. Sometimes I have to hear, like, some things about Jonathan Gannon, like, and it, I don't know if it's you guys. It might be more That's their DC. Uh, other people. Um, I, I won't say names. Angelo. Right. Uh, <laughs> but this guy is an unbelievable coordinator. The, the fact that he doesn't get respect from our radio station blows my yeah, mind. Stop, Angelo. It blows my mind. And I know you work at the radio station, too. So I'm not even going to say anything about you. But he like, feel it blows himself. my mind. This guy is an incredible <laughs> coordinator. Um, the, people w- love to right. play for this guy. Like, and I, uh, listen, I don't, I, am I, you want me to keep going? <laughs> he 
He's looking over to the PR guy. Uh, that's Angelo Cataldi, by the way, who's been their morning guy there forever. I think he's retiring at the end of this year. Is I mean, is mm. Angelo the most powerful sports talk radio guy in the country right Philly now? Philly is an old school yeah. sports town where sports talk radio is still king. And it what those guys say really does matter. You and think, ears you are think tuned Belichick into it. cares about what Zolak's saying? <laughs> I don't think Zolak and Angelo are the same. He's an energy drink that comes scenario. to life. I mean, yeah. they're different situations. <laughs> Um, one last one last note on the MJ thing. Yeah, if, let's calm down. MJ was a great teammate. He was brutal on a lot of his teammates. He was okay, demanding. He was sometimes demeaning. He could be cruel. He expected everyone to be as good as him, even though that was impossible. And I guess that made some guys better. But like Jalen Hurts, I, as far as I understand, that is not the type no, of Hertz, leader he Hertz, is. No, Hurts, I think, is much more like – a consistent, super motivated guy that like right. draw, brings everyone together. Day, basically, but he, but if you put it, but what we've lost a lot of the nuance of Michael Jordan, like over the years. I get where he's coming from. Right. I get that you don't like it, but this stuff's going to keep head, happening. I want to keep like the actual like what MJ was, which is one of the great. Not only the greatest player ever, but the greatest, yeah, like, I, sometimes nastiest competitor right, there ever was. Right, but not was. a cancer. Yeah. It's, like, he, 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 he fired, was too good. He fired that team up. I mean, they showed up in big moments over and over. So he found <laughs> some balance there. To your point, um, we, you know, that's like the fourth different quarterback that's been compared to Jordan on this show this year alone. So they would probably the is completely different than basketball. I know. Mark said it. Let's move. <laughs> Let's move to a break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. 
Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my All right, so the Eagles move on. They will host the NFC title game next weekend. Their opponent? It had to be the Niners. You knew it was going to be the Niners. It is the Niners. Snaps it back to Dak Prescott. He throws over the middle to Turpin. He gets hammered down by Jimmy Ward. The game is over. When the booth partners just laughing. Niners are going to the NFC title game for a third time in the last four years. This stuff is not easy. The Chiefs going five years in a row. God, nobody wants to hear. Oh, Dan always brings it back to the Jets. The Jets have been to the AFC title game four times in my entire life. I was born in 1980. To go five years in a row, to go three out of four years. These are major organizational achievements. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the Niners who get past the Dallas Cowboys 19 to 12, largely because of their defense. Again, like the Philadelphia Eagles, loaded on both sides of the ball. And when one side doesn't have a big day, you could still move forward because the other side could step up. We saw that there on that final play of the game. And and Greggy, um, and we're gonna get to the Dallas side of it because it's always filled with juice and uh, it's just it's almost like a Greek tragedy when you get to the Cowboys in January now. But the Niners, they've showed through uh, scoring in the last month that they could just destroy a team. This showed they could win this type of game too. That's I, valuable. I think you set it up perfectly. Like Thank you. The, the Eagles and the 49ers, for all the talk that it's like the, the, these AFC superpowers here, they got the best teams. And I've been saying that because of their quarterbacks. The 49ers and the Eagles are the two teams that can win any type of game that you don't know what unit's going to show up, whether it's the defensive line or the secondary or their passing game or it's the running game. And the 49ers offense really didn't show up for much of this game. Credit to the Cowboys defense for their game plan and their talent. But this game was there for the taking if Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense could get anything done and they just couldn't. And, Part of that is is D'Amico Ryan's is coaching. Part of it is this linebacker group, which is just so good. Fred Warner making plays down the field in coverage. Al Shahir was everywhere. He's so good that they have to keep three linebackers on the field, which not many teams do. Uh, we know Dre Greenlaw is a beast. Like He made great plays. They just confused the hell out of Dak when he was backing up to pass and they were all over their receivers. They let CeeDee Lamb get some catches and that's about it. And I just think if you kept playing this game, as much as I want to pick on Mike McCarthy for not being aggressive, I don't think Dak and the Dallas offense would have delivered if he was aggressive. So I think they would have lost this game either way because of this 49ers Yeah, I don't defense. come out of it with a with a ton of blame for Mike McCarthy or even the approach because Dak Prescott did not look comfortable from the very word go. Uh, you know, the two interceptions, they only led to two field goals. That's not fatal. But in a game like this where it was 9-9 deep into the game, that's the difference. I mean, little moments like that because the big question was, well, we got pristine Dak a week ago. We got pristine Dallas Cowboys. Is that who they are? Have they grown into that? No, they haven't. And the, the Niners find a way to make those versions, the better versions of their opponent, disappear in a hurry. It's the defense, and then what I think happens with this Niners offense, because it's a different game than a week ago when they were trailing Seattle at halftime. 
But just over the course of the game, they find a way for enough to happen on offense. In a game like this where it's so tight, Brock Purdy, who is just absolutely like ice cold, like never seems to be razzled, frazzled on any level, like found George Kittle with that incredible catch. I thought that was the turning point drive of the game. And then you got started to see Christian McCaffrey get through, Elijah Mitchell get through. And I just noticed the Dallas defense starting to tire because this wasn't a game like the Eagles against the Giants where the Niners on the ground produced a lot early, but they kept mentioning it. And you know that like Shanahan clearly stated it to the broadcast team. We want to be physical. We want to run the ball. We're not looking to take a ton of shots downfield. We want to be able to do this against Dallas. It took a really long time, Mm -hmm. but in the last couple of drives, I'm not saying they were prolific, but you saw it and had Elijah Mitchell not run out of bounds. Like, they would have iced it even minutes before. We wouldn't have even gotten to that last absurd play with Zeke Elliott snapping the ball, and then the whole thing ends up in smoke. Yeah, and Dalton Schultz made some terrible boneheaded oh, yeah. plays back to back on that last drive. It, it wasn't a great look um, for the Cowboys, but yeah, I think Dallas, just like last year, you, you came out of that game against again, the 49ers, but it was in Arlington that game. Um, they didn't execute the way they could. They didn't take advantage of opportunities and it happened again here. And it must be so frustrating for a Cowboys fan because that big Kittle circus catch, you know, that sets up um, San Francisco, on the Cowboys side of the field, but that becomes a touchdown drive because Trayvon Diggs has a ball just skip right into his breadbasket uh, for what would have been a massive, potentially game-shifting interception. He can't hold on to the ball. Um, there's a penalty in there as well that kept the drive alive. Right. Was it going to be third or fourth and 19 or something? And and the San Francisco then, to their credit, takes advantage and gets in. And it's just like, it's just uh, the same things happen over and over again. I think McCarthy probably survives here, um, but at the same time, would it shock you with Sean Payton out there uh, uh, running for mayor if it ends very differently? Here is Jared Jones, who you know, uh, Jared Jones, God bless him. You know, my feelings on Jared are clear that um, we will miss him when he's gone as a character in terms of uh, what he, uh, the entertainment value he brings. He went onto the field before the game to consult with Brett Maher after he missed a couple of field goals in warmups. That's the GM slash owner of the Cowboys. <laughs> and of course, he has thoughts on the Mike McCarthy decision to punt late in the game. I think, what, Greg, about three minutes left or so, fourth and 10 deep in their own end. Um, they do get the ball back, but the game for all intents and purposes is over by that point. A lot of criticism on McCarthy and the Cowboys. Here's what Jarrah had to say about that decision. They had a lot to say about it, but, uh, uh, but they... Um, uh, uh, it appears today we got we're schemed pretty good out there by their defensive coaches. We schemed them pretty good. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, that was a that was a big difference. Uh, uh, we had it there for us. Uh, probably right up until the last three or four minutes, we had it there for us to uh, uh, go get a step farther to the championship. But uh, still, I'm I'm sick. Uh, uh, don't have. Uh, 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 really anything uh, material or important to listen to to say. So was he saying that, like, the coaches essentially told him, well, the defense had it all over us at that point. 
I mean, that is it what he's saying. And that's to me, thing. we were schemed pretty good out there by their defensive coaches. I think what he's saying is we had no confidence we could pick up a fourth down, which is self-evident because there were three decisions late in that game. It was actually two minutes and five seconds left by the time they got that punt off. Oh, right. So it was right before, was the, right two before the two minute warning. It was fourth and 10 from, yeah. eight, from your own 18. Right. But, but when, chance, when they but... punted that, you know, we were, we were in the, in the film room and I said like, there's a really good chance they don't get the ball back here. And they wouldn't have if nope. Elijah Mitchell stayed in bounds. And by the time they did get the ball back, it was a prayer. But earlier in the half, Dan, fourth and five at the 40. Mm. The 49ers mm-hmm. 40, they decide to take a delay of game uh, and punt it. And then the drive, even before that, granted they're on the 49ers um, 25, and it's only a 43-yard field goal for Maher, and it's a fourth and eight. But I did think, considering Maher, considering they needed a touchdown, uh, they could have gone for it there if you were seeing anything out of the Cowboys' offense. But I think based on that Jones quote, yeah. they had no confidence. And, and I, is, I don't think it would have mattered because they, they shouldn't have had any confidence. And this is – and, Greg, you are the president of the Dak fan club, so I want to hear Let's your thoughts on it. this. He played terribly. I mean, this was – he yeah. was brilliant. On Monday night against the Bucks, and you give them all the credit in the world for that. But that was the Bucks, an eight and nine team. If Dak wants to be seen as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you need to deliver better than he did. He had two interceptions. He had a a, a Drake Greenlaw could have had a pick six oh, that, late in this game that would have right. sealed it, and that would have been on his tombstone. Right, Dak. So he even got away with a, another killer throw, and just. Uh, after that near pick six, he had a receiver deep uh, that he misfired on, got the guy turned around. That could have been a big play. And he just didn't show up. And I think that informed some of the decision-making by Mike McCarthy, who said, my defense is playing well, and I can't move the ball with my quarterback today, so I'm going to hope that that wins that way. It was just it's disappointing, to say the least, the game we got from the quarterback. I totally agree. It was a disaster. I, I actually thought the second half after the first two interceptions was worse. I don't know if they were in his head, but I thought it got worse, even though he didn't throw a pick in the second half. He could have. That ball to CeeDee Lamb down the seam that Fred Warner made the great play on, I mean, if he puts that out there a little more. MJD in the film room with us spotted it right away. Right. He put some air under that, let CD keep the afterburners on. That's six. That's a touchdown. The, the play's down the sideline. And then I actually... I'm I'm almost haunted by the there was a third and five I think on their first drive of the second half and and Olsen was all over this one too was he went through his reads so fast had no pressure on him and threw a weird outlet pass to Zeke that was not on target that had no chance for a first down and that was a panicked poorly executed decision and throw. I mean, I think I think that's what San Francisco does to you. I, I look at a Cowboys team that had a chance, a major chance, when Ray Ray McLeod fumbled the punt. You're at the San Francisco 21. You get out of there with a field goal. You can't do that against this Niners team. And like Dak Prescott completely disappointed. And I, I think there are similar images to the terrible loss they suffered against the Niners a year ago. And I, I don't care about that final play, for instance. And we were saying during our break, like, all right, you, you're going to have to dial up something. It's going to probably Never be cut. wacky. It's going to be wacky. But that said, I would rather just say, let's just go for the Hail Mary than have the seat. Last year it was Dak scrambling, not getting the first, trying to down the ball. The time runs out. 
like the whole thing's a fiasco. It's your final image of that Cowboys team. This was a good Cowboys team that a year later, it's Zeke Elliott, who's ruled ineligible, snapping the ball to Dak, who whips it to Turpin, and he's nailed to the ground, and the thing is over. It's like, that's a circus Sean ending. Sean Payton's loving that, the way that game plays out, and the reason Zeke is all over the game plan is because Tony Pollard, who was such a special player for him this year, um, he goes out in the first half with a what's initially called a high ankle sprain, and then it's reported after the game that he suffered a fractured left fibula that will require surgery. Um, normally, according to Todd Archer, uh, those require a three-month recovery. Uh, Greg, as you said during the break, he's uh, a free agent to be. Just bad, bad uh, misfortune for Pollard. Yeah, that that's depressing. He's still... To me, it would be a great free agent pickup for anyone. But yeah, there's just these, they're not great in the details. And I, I saw this interview Dak did with Aaron Andrews before the game, and he was talking about how he didn't leave the house for two weeks after the last one, and that he actually rewatched the press conference from the post game loss to the 49ers this week because, like, he didn't want to feel that again. And it just feels like, you don't want to get inside his head, but he put him a lot on himself for this game, like that it's going to be different, and then for it to happen again is devastating. Here's C.D. Lamb defending his quarterback. I mean, we, he was going to get criticized regardless, no matter how he played, unless he didn't throw two or zero interceptions. If he did, if he did threw zero interceptions, everybody would have been on his coattail. Just because he threw picks, everybody's going to be on him. That's fine. Everybody throws picks, but uh. He plays for Dallas Cowboys. He's number four. He's our starting quarterback. So that's what comes with it. I'm with my boy. And he knows that. So it is what it is. We're going to work. We're going to work. Uh, C.D. Lamb, um, just like he defended Brett or put through his support behind Brett Maher on the bench last week, supporting Dak because he knows how good Dak can be. I think that's part of what made this so frustrating for Lamb and, and guys like Greg Rosenthal that he didn't show up in this game. I mean, it will be a tough offseason. It kind of it mirrors to me like, wait, what happened to Daniel Jones and the Giants? Oh, you faced a Eagles defense that basically has dismantled people left and right. The Niners have been doing this. It's again, it's the focus on Brock Purdy, this rookie quarterback. Well, but the defense has been destroying people week after week and, and turning good quarterbacks into lesser. I'm glad you brought up Purdy because we're going to have a whole week to talk about it. Um, but a little bit sobering uh, for Purdy who gets – Large, although he did get better in the second half as their I mean, offense he made, improved. He made, the throws he made some the throws, didn't have a big game by any means, and now he has to go against a Philly defense that I think is even better than the Dallas defense, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but ultimately, uh, San Francisco moves on. They're, they have not lost in a very long time, and uh, I don't think uh, – oh, shoot. I don't know. I haven't thought of, this is a tough one to pick, by the way. It's that's it's, a tough one. The NFC title game is going to be a yeah. bonkers affair. Well, as of uh, this taping, I think both lines next week are two points or under. There you go. Which is crazy. I saw some analytics site which like put the percentage of which teams will win the Super Bowl, and like everyone's between twenty three and twenty seven percent. It's pretty rare to have four teams that have their strengths and weaknesses, and the Mahomes injury looms certainly, but that like. Feel like they're about all equal to win the Super Bowl. Are you I confident know. that we got the four best teams? Is there anyone? Yes. Is there any debate? I, I think we're, I'm confident we do. Uh, there is one other big injury that looms coming out of this game. Christian McCaffrey had a wrap on his calf in the second half of this game when they were trying to ice the game on their last uh, possession. He gets the ball once on a weird wide receiver like screen type thing, uh, but otherwise it was Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he only had ten carries in this game, McCaffrey. So what is his physical? 
uh, health going into the biggest game of his I don't NFL want Christian career. McCaffrey suffering another injury until they've won the Super Bowl and he like stubs his toe mowing the lawn mm, and deal right. with that for two weeks. I don't think he's ever going to mow his lawn well, ever do, again or, if he ever has. You know what? He's kind of a Nepo baby. He drops a bag of he, dro- he drops a bag of, of I'm like, just saying. drops a bag of fives and tens and coins on his what, son's what? foot. Well, I mean what it I works say? too because his dad was an NFL player. That's what um, I mean. But then that's like a DNA. He's a, that's he's a, a better NFL player than that's has Christian that McCaffrey ever, mo- ever mowed a lawn. Just answer no, the question. No, but I would I say like the has. reason he's an NFL player is not because his dad's wealthy. Is because he's like his DNA and his genetics are superior to the vast majority of the I, population. And and one thing I've noticed here, you know, working at NFL Network, where a lot of uh, these guys have their sons who are becoming great players, uh, he has excellent instruction in like playing football all the time since you were four. Yeah. Because your dad, you know, it's like that's an amazing advantage. And more, Are you saying more, that Dalton Schultz's dad didn't play football? Is that what you're trying to say right now? He should have known. That was rough. He didn't know the rules back about not plays. going back and then to not get that foot down. We could have seen the Hail Mary. If Wes was here, I knew he would He would mention this. Like, it would have been like the Cowboys in the divisional round throwing a Hail Mary. That is where the Hail Mary was born mm-hmm. Drew in Pearson. a Cowboys-Vikings yeah. game. But this Cowboys team does not afford us those No, they didn't even get to it. <laughs> no, they don't. So the Cowboys go home again. It's been 30 years since they've been to the NFC title game. I think even more now. Is it? That's a bad streak. Um, all right. So what do we learn? Football's still great. Um, the football, uh, we could have we had. We, we didn't get a classic but we got a classic week of matchups coming up conference championship weekend. Let's look at it real quick here. San Francisco at Philadelphia noon Fox at the link, as I said. So that will be Greg Olson, who had an excellent game, by the way, mm-hmm. at Olson. So good. I do not want, yeah. I don't think there's no way Tom Brady's retiring, but if Tom Brady retires and starts his $350 million Fox contract and takes Greg Olson's number one spot, it's a travesty. You can't do that, but they also here's the thing that we can you can't make it a three man booth and throw Brady into that either. Put him on the booger mobile. I, I I don't can't do that either. I want to put a sandwich on <laughs> Brady never ends up taking that I, job. I completely I wouldn't even take you on that because I don't see that happening. <laughs> because like three hundred and fifty million boys. Just, well, he'll either pass on that or it'll just be like the Murdochs get to bring him to corporate events and he shows up five times a year. You've had that theory, but I, I don't think that was, that's why that's <laughs> what's the direction there was like people. I know of it, Tom but, has made a lot of money. He's you know, but uh he may still, owe, he owes some more re- money than one he of the used reasons, to. Yeah, one of the reasons why he is rich is he's made good decisions financially. So turning down $350 million because he's bored of the idea now, I don't, I don't see it. I happening. just think, like, when it comes down to it, does he want to be at the nacho bar with Ross Tucker and the Tucker spreads, uh, you know, before the game? You really think he's going to be showing up to there are different uh, levels to to Kansas this. City yeah, and yeah. doing all this every week? I just don't think he is going to want Dion, I think he's going to be like, I have, I know that's a lot of money, but I've got a lot of money. In the end, I don't want to do this. Remember here when, and it's been years now, and now Dion is a major head coach of a D1 program um, in college. Um but Dion was different than all the other guys. Dion, amongst the analysts, had his own green room that no one else could access. 
We yeah, Dion once. didn't get that Brady money though. The money's but different I'm just now. Saying, like, Brady's money's... not going to be hanging out at Dion a nacho line. Like I don't think that's. I'm just saying yeah. he has to be up there. Uh, he's not going to be the games. First of all, he doesn't eat nachos. You see those guys? This is of no concern to Tom Brady. The nacho <laughs> line and all this stuff that the normal plebeians are participating in. Uh, the other games. He's going to have to get in that elevator. You can't get out. Like he's going to be in the elevator. You're, you're he's going to be next to Zach Berman and Bo Wolf. You uh, act from like he's like Michael Jackson and Neverland Ranch. I mean, he. He's just flesh and blood. He's a man. I just think he'll be too bored by it all, too. He's just not even going to want to bother. He thinks that's boring. Wait till he retires and see what else is out there. <laughs> he did or, retire. Yeah. How long did that take? Three weeks. This keeps you in the public eye, you know, involved with something that you love. I Everybody's mean, tell- saying you're the greatest. Like, you know what? At Who's you? talking about Troy Aikman had he decided he was too bored to do this? Like 30 years from now, Tom Brady will be like a historical very large historical memory, or he can be on television for the rest of his life. <laughs> we wonder why. But Greg Sadie can't take to, an elevator no, with other human beings. He can't be on the nacho line. Don't project. I'm not. I am turning down your 350 million contract that I already signed because I don't want nachos. I don't think he. Uh, it just wouldn't be in him. It just is not in him. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, the Bengals. <laughs> I know. We wonder why we always have a 90-minute show that we do a solid the five minutes on the nacho line. The Bengals at the Chiefs, 3:30 p.m. Eastern, Arrowhead. 3:30 uh, Pacific. And I like that you went noon Pacific. earlier because I think Pacific should start to be the standard time. 3 p.m. Eastern, game one, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, game two. And then right after that, you tune in to the Around the NFL podcast, streaming live, and then you check out the audio show because you got to get it twice. Good stuff. Um, Thank you to everybody for listening. You have any other thoughts, Mark? I mean, the music's playing. I think it's time to reassess where we're at in life and start over. We'll be back on Tuesday with our first look at championship weekend. Until then, you know what you got to do. Heed the call. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. 
You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.